You're listening to a podcast of The River in Durant, Oklahoma. Join us Sundays at 10 a.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Or learn more about us online at theriverdurant.com. Take your Bibles, please, and turn with me to the book of Psalms. Psalm 23 we're going to look at today. Many of you may have this memorized. You may have had to memorize it as a child. I, I did. Vacation Bible school, they used to make us memorize things. Amen. And if you're not, if you're not particularly brilliant, start memorizing things and people will never know. <laughs> I, I memorize things so they don't know. Amen. I want to say something about Paris Stone. If she was five foot five, her voice would bring this building down, wouldn't it? She's five foot tall and got a voice like a cannon. I, I like that. She's always been that way. Are you even five foot? How tall are you, baby? Five foot tall, that's what I thought. Four foot twelve. <laughs> All right. Let's read together. The Lord is my shepherd. I, I want everyone to read it out loud, would you? I know you don't all have the, the, the real Bible, but do your best. <laughs> the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Father, thank you for this. Thank you for this marvelous passage of Scripture that has for thousands of years now comforted the hearts of yours, your people and your followers, your believers. And I thank you today, Lord, for giving me understanding concerning what it's really saying about you toward us. I'm asking that the spirit of wisdom and revelation be administered to your people now to receive this seed into, into good soil of their hearts that our lives can be bettered by what we know here today concerning Psalm 23. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said amen, amen. I want to talk to you about the God of abundance. The God of abundance. That's what Psalm 23 is really talking about. The God of more than enough. The God of more than enough. He has so much, listen to me, that King David, who had all the wealth that he had, considered the Lord his shepherd. In comparison to how wealthy God is, the wealthiest man is but a sheep. In comparison to how wealthy God is, the wealthiest man is is still just a sheep. That ought to help you out a whole lot right there. The Lord is the shepherd. The Lord is the shepherd. 
we make so much about wealth and poverty on our end of things, and we all measure it by ourselves. You know, anytime you compare yourself with another human, you're not being wise, the Apostle Paul said. Well, I don't think that guy needs that much money. Well, you're comparing yourself with him. And all, all you're doing is setting yourself up for disappointment yeah. by judging somebody how, by how much money they have or how little, they, little money they have. And, it, and it's the other way around. Somebody shows up with a need. Well, you don't, you don't give that guy on the corner. Holler, do you really give that bum on the corner $5? You know he's just going to buy alcohol with it. Yeah, I know he's going to go buy alcohol with it. I know it. But I didn't give him the money for him. I gave him the money for me. (laughs) You understand? We all get judgmental. We'd be judgmental about the rich, be judgmental about the poor, acting like there's a big difference. Acting like there's a big difference. The fact is, we're all just sheep in God's eyes. Compared to him, we don't have anything. Let me help you figure this out. If you saw two boys in a third world somewhere, neither of them had parents, they're just completely destitute except for this one fact. One of them had a penny and one of them had a $10 bill. That's all they have to their name. One of them has a penny and one of them has a $10 bill. From your perspective, Do you see much difference in these two kids? One might last two days longer than the other one. Not much difference. But if they're judging themselves between themselves, the one with the $10 bill says, I'm 10,000 times richer than you are. You got it? Yeah, I'm thousands of times richer than you are. He might be a thousand times, whatever it is. Penny a hundred and ten ten times a hundred. Yeah, so it'd be be a thousand. I'm a thousand times richer than you are. Wow. He's still not rich, is he? He's still just a sheep. Let's put that in modern terms. If you take a million dollars in hundred dollar bills, new hundred dollar bills from the bank, and you stack them up, they are a foot high. One foot high. $1,000 bill, I mean $100 bills, stack them up, that'd make a million dollars. $100 bills. One foot. New bills. That's a million dollars. You know how much a billion dollars is? A billion dollars is that stack goes all the way to the top of the Empire State Building. A thousand feet. A billion is a thousand. Now, y'all know this, but when you see zeros, it doesn't mean that much. But when you see dollar bills stacked, that means something. Hundred dollar bills. That's a million. And a billion goes clear to the top of the Empire State Building. A hundred stories. That's the difference between a million and a billion. And at one point in his life, Bill Gates was worth a hundred billion dollars. I don't know what he's worth today. Probably a little less. He was worth a hundred billion dollars. And every Christian I know wanted the next product he was going to bring out. 
Isn't it, isn't it right? Oh, I can't wait for that next, that next program, that next Windows program comes out. Oh, just can't run out. I, I don't care how much it's going to cost. I got to have it. I'm going to go give Bill Gates 500 more dollars. It's okay for him to be stinking rich. But let the preacher show up with a new car and, oh, wow. Am I preaching good here yet? That tells you what most people think is really important in this world, Bill Gates. <laughs> Don't care how much money he has. We're going to give him more if, we, if he has what we want. Huh? Well, I don't think he needs all that. Listen to me. We're all just sheep. The Lord is our shepherd. Somebody, I had a student come into my, 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 uh, uh, into my office one day. He heard me teach some, some things along these lines. He came in my office. He said, I heard you say that we shouldn't be judging Benny Hinn. I said, you heard me say you shouldn't be judging anybody's servant, especially God's. He said, well, you mentioned Benny Hinn. I said, yeah, I did, because I know how you feel about him. <laughs> I was preaching to you. <laughs> and he said, I said, I didn't say I liked everything he does. I didn't say that. I just said my life's happier because I don't feel like it's my role to judge him. You'll just be happy if you'll just let that stuff go. Hey, he said, do you really think it's, it's okay for him to have three homes? I said, I don't care if he has 30 homes. Well, I just think that's a waste of God's money. I said, so you admit he's God's man. <laughs> if he has God's money, you're saying he's God's man. I didn't say that. I said, well, you said he had God's money. How did he get God's money if he's not God's man? You got to make up your mind. I'm real smart. You know what I mean? No, I'm just kidding. Smart aleck. Uh, I said, uh, so you admit he's God's man. No, well, Dr. Holly, you confused me. I said, I'm not trying to confuse you, son. I'm here to try to clear your clouds. I said, how much did you pay for those shoes? He said, $125. I said, you sure you couldn't have found some at Goodwill for six bucks? I think he could have. I think I've seen him at Goodwill for six bucks. Well, are you saying that that... I said, yeah, I'm saying it's just as wrong for you to have a $125 pair of shoes as it is for Benny Hinn to have three homes. If you're going to judge, be, be faithful in your judgments. Well, I think... I said, I know what you think. You think you're God. That's what you think. We had a really good conversation. You think it works for you. That's what you think. And we talked and talked and talked. And, and finally, I said, look, the Bible says thou shalt not covet. What you're really doing is coveting what belongs to Benny Hinn. What you're really doing is coveting what belongs to Benny Hinn. That's what you're really doing. And I said, you think you're quoting somebody important by saying, I think that could have been sold and given to the poor. But the only person in the Bible that ever said that was Judas. 
The only person in the Bible that ever said that, just, so, just in case it was running through your mind, that money could have been sold and they could have bought Bibles with it. If that runs through your mind, remember, this is not the Holy Spirit talking to you. This is Judas's voice talking to you. I'm just helping you here. John chapter 12, Judas said that about Jesus. Yeah, and, and listen, this woman had a dowry of precious oil. It was what she was supposed to bring into her marriage. And she broke that and poured it over Jesus' head. And being a good Jew, he went straight home and washed it off. Went straight home and washed it all off. He didn't walk around for days with that on his head. It attracts dirt and bugs and all kinds of stuff. He went home and washed that off. He went someplace and washed it off. Got clean again. It was for a moment. Her whole dowry poured out for a moment. They were all upset. It wasn't just Judas that said it. All the others pitched in and said, yeah, you yeah, know, he's right. This could have been sold for a lot of money and given to the poor. Jesus looks at them like they're idiots, like he does today when people say these kind of things. Yeah. What are you talking about? Am I broke? Is God so broke that he can't let Benny Hinn have three houses and still get the Bibles to the people that need them? Is God that broke? Do you see what it means? We, we think that God is somehow scrimping and scraping to pay his bills because we do. Wow. <laughs> Am I helping anybody today? The Lord isn't broke. Not even close. The richest guy on the planet is still a sheep. He's the shepherd. He's got more than enough. I'm not defending anybody that you don't like. I'm not defending Benny Hinn. I'm just saying, I'm trying to get our minds off of that kind of nonsense. It is not our business to decide who should have what. It's our business to be connected with the provider for ourselves. Instead of always looking for somebody to blame. We're so Republican and Democrat. It's the Democrats' fault. It's the Republicans' fault. And in the church, it's Benny Hinn's fault. Trying to help you here. It is never the will of God for you to be in lack. The Lord is my shepherd. When God is shepherding you, that means it is never the will of God for you to be in lack. Is he going to starve his sheep? Is he going to starve his own children? It is never the will of God for you to be in lack. Now, just because you're in lack doesn't mean you're sinning. I'm telling you it's not the will of God not to condemn, but to give you hope. That this season of leanness that you may be going through, this season of lack that you may be going through, this is not your stopping place. This is not where you get off. This is not your destination. This is just something you're going through because it's not the will of God for you to live there. No more than it was the will of God for them to live in the wilderness. It was not the will of God for them to live out there. You know, they, we used to sing a song. I'm feasting on manna from heaven. Pardon me. There weren't any feasts taking place out there in the wilderness on that manna from heaven. There weren't any feasts taking place. That was a barely get along, hand to mouth, just enough existence. They couldn't even gather up enough for two or three days, except on Friday they could gather up for Saturday. And it was never the will of God for them to be in that wilderness for 40 years. It was the will of God for them to be out there about two weeks. Just long enough to get from Egypt. I think it's an 11 day journey to get from Egypt to the promised land. God wanted them to go straight from not enough 
to more than enough. Instead, they left. They spent 40 years where most of the church world is in the land of just enough. You know where that, where that land of just enough is? It's out there with that law. It's out there with that do good, get good, do bad, get bad. It's out there with that law. The land that flowed with milk and honey was the land of promise, the land of grace, the land where you live, glory to God. The land where you live. But let me say to you, why they stayed out there was because of the way they talked. The way they used their mouths. The way they talked about prosperity. Well, I know it flows with milk and honey, but there's giants in that land. Lord, don't make me rich because I, 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 I wouldn't be humble. Well, you're not humble right now, bozo. Wealth will just expose what's really in you. Huh? Yeah. You got problems right now. If wealth will make you unholy, that means you're trusting in money right now and don't even have any. It's not the will of God for you to live that way. The Lord wants you blessed and prospered because He is your shepherd. Come on, let's say it with our own mouth. The Lord is my shepherd. That means I have plenty to eat. Amen. It's not the will of God for you to live in lack. Second thing I noticed here in verse 2, it is the will of God for you to enjoy the best in life. He says, it makes me to lie down in green pasture. Now, for, for a sheep, it doesn't get any better than this. If you can lay down and eat, <laughs> it just doesn't get any better than that for a sheep. <laughs> just lay down and eat. Praise God. <laughs> makes me to lay down, lie down in green pastures. Hallelujah. Especially in an arid land like that was. Find a green pasture. Sheep can just lie down there. Oh, man, he's got it made. Because the Lord bedded him down. The, she the shepherd put him where he belonged. I remember years ago, I learned a hard lesson. Uh, you know how cows work. Cows that have been together for a long time, they babysit. You ever seen cows babysit? They bed, they bed the babies down in a corner. Once, once the calf crop has all come in, they bed them all down in a corner of the pasture. And then two or three of them will stay and the rest of them will mosey off out into the pasture. And then every, every, few, every 30 minutes or an hour, I don't know, every little while, one of them will mosey over there, and another one would leave. They all, they, and they all take turns, you know. By the way, it reminds me, we need help in the nursery. Anyway, they, 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 <laughs> one, that one will graze over toward the babies, and another one will graze away. You know, they just, take, they just babysit. They're, just, they're good mamas. Cows are great mamas. Well, I, I, I was riding my, my pony, my cow pony out across the field one day, pastor, and I came upon a baby calf. He's in the grass. He's been fed good. He looks good. He's fine. But he don't move. He just looks up at me and trembling, you know. I think something's going on here. This, it was kind of, kind of an odd deal. One calf, and all the cows had their calves with them, and they were all nursing and grazing. So I got off the horse. I said, where do you belong, little man? I picked him up. He was real docile, which was kind of strange. He didn't just didn't spook and run, you know. So I, I got him up on my saddle, held him in place, and I got up in the saddle with him. 
Finally got on, you know, worked around, kind of got him laying across my lap. We, we take off. All of a sudden, I feel this strange warmth <laughs> on the bottom side of my body. I don't know if you know the size of a calf's bladder, but they can hold a lot of liquid. <laughs> and apparently he had been well fed that day. <laughs> he peed all over me, all over my saddle. It was just dripping off. Little guy, you were clean full of that, weren't you? And then here in a minute, his mama, I don't know if she could smell him by me picking him up or something, off in the distance. She, she came bellowing. You know what? That, 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 it goes. It trembles. You know. She did not like me having her baby. She came up there, and I knew she was going to want to fight, so I, got, I got pitched him down real quick. Like All I'm saying is, you know, you can cause more trouble than it's worth when you get to thinking that God hasn't provided for you. His mama knew where she was. His mama didn't need me helping. And I got, you know, taught a lesson myself because of it. As soon as you, yeah, I got a boot full. As soon as, soon as you, as soon as you think, as soon as you think that God has not provided for you, you've started down the wrong trail of thought. The Lord has already provided. And it's his will for you to have the best of everything you can have. He wants you blessed. I'm, uh, I'm going to look here. I was thinking about something years ago. I, I may have told you this story, but I'm going to tell it again because it, it just fits so well here. My old pastor, Jim Hester, retired from his church, and he's always loved missions. Even as a pastor, he's very, been very apostolic. He's an apostolic pastor, which is kind of what I am. And he, he uh, you know, had a lot of, lot of sons in the faith, and Terry Sparks and I are two of them. And he would, uh, when he retired from his church, though, he, he handed the church off to another man who, not long after he took over the church, cut off all the missionaries that Pastor Jim had supported through that ministry for years and years. Just cut them all off. About 20 of them that he was sending anywhere from $100 to $1,000 a month to. So Pastor Jim had to get a schedule and start traveling and preaching at 65 years old when he was kind of wanting to slow down a little bit. He wanted to preach, but he didn't want to preach all the time and have to go. But in order to keep these missionaries with money, he would travel and preach and take all the offerings and give it all away to the missionaries. Never took anything for himself. We couldn't get him to take the offerings we gave him. He said, no, I'm going to give it to the missionaries. You couldn't even bless him <laughs> without him just giving it away. I mean, he was well taken care of, you understand. But he said to the Lord, Lord, I, I don't really care about anything. I'm so, I'm so well taken care of. He said, but I would like to have enough money to be able to go anywhere in the world and check on these missionaries and preach the gospel at any time. I'd like to have just enough so that I can so I can be used still in the world as a missionary. So he traveled around, came to my churches, these 20 or so that we have, and he, he was always, always going all the time. 
One Saturday morning, he gets up and he asks Miss Joanne, says, where am I going tomorrow? Where am I preaching tomorrow? She said, you're preaching down at the street at the, for the homeless. That guy that cooks down there, Bill, he's, he's asked you to come. And you told him the first empty Sunday, first vacant Sunday you got, that you'd come down and preach for him. And she said, this Sunday was vacant, so I, I put you to go preach for him. He said, I'm not going down there. She said, oh, yes, you are. You're a man of your word. You're going to go down. He said, I'm not going down there. I'm not going down there because I can't take up an offering for street people. I've got to have that money to give to the missionaries. They're depending on me, Joanne. You've got to get me in a church somewhere. She said, I'm not going to do nothing. You're going down there. To do, to do. I'm not going down there. I'm not going down there. Well, on his way down there. <laughs> you, know, you guys know how it is. You've been married. <laughs> On his way down there, he, he took his motorcycle because he finally, when he realized he couldn't win that argument, he, uh, he was on his motorcycle. He said, I'll take my motorcycle down there and let the, let the street people look at it. They'll love looking at that beautiful motorcycle. So he rode his motorcycle down there, and he got off, and they all gathered around it and looked at it, and he told them all about it. They said, boy, I wish I had the money to have a motorcycle. He said, he said let me tell you something. I've been without, and I've had plenty, and I wasn't happier either way. Wasn't happier either way. Happiness is not in the abundance of things which you possess. Nor, nor is it found in how little you have. Happiness is found in God. And he used that in his message. And he said, you know, I know you all are, many of you, most of you here don't have anything. He said, but I told the Lord, I just want enough to be used. Anytime. He said, I have all kinds of opportunities around the world. And he said, I just, oh, I just want just enough money. Where I could go, if I got called, I could go and be there at any time to preach anywhere in the world. There was a man there who was standing on the edge of the crowd. There's, there's a lot of people there, he said. A man standing on the edge of the crowd, he said, I looked over there and saw him. He said he had on about a $1,000 Stetson hat, had on a couple thousand dollar pair of ostrich hide boots, fancy belt buckle, silver tips on it. He said he was dripping with gold and diamonds all over his hands. He said had a had a vest on, you know, wool lined vest. It must have cost five hundred bucks. He said, I looked at that guy, looked him up and down, and he said, You may not know it, but I operate in the word of knowledge. And I knew instantly, God told me, that's no ordinary street person. <laughs> After the service, that man walked up to him and pulled out a business card. He said, Dr. Hester, did I hear you say that you just wanted to be able to travel the world anytime, anywhere you, you got an opportunity? He said, yeah, boy, I, I really do. Sam Castor wrote on the back of that business card, he said, don't make another, uh, 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 what do you call it, reservation. Don't make another airline reservation without calling that number. You call that number on that card right there, and the person that answers that phone, you tell her who you are and, who, and that you know me, and she will make you airline reservations to any place in the world for the rest of your life as much as you want to go. I, he said, I own a travel agency as well as other businesses. He said, you do that. You can travel as much as you want to. Go anywhere in the world. Anytime you get ready, take your wife with you. He said, I took the card, looked at the guy. I said, brother, I don't... <laughs> I'm sorry, but I don't, I, don't, I don't think you know how much I travel. Sam Castor, who owned Manatech, said, Brother, I don't think you know how much money I have. 
He said, thank you, I ought to tell you. <laughs> the first year, he spent $25,000 of the man's money. The next year, about the same. The next year, about the same. Year after year after year, for about 12 to 15 years, I was trying to think of how long it was today. I think it was 12 years at least. He flew all over the world, went as often as he wanted to, never had to take up another offering. Glory to God. Because he went and sowed some seed in people who couldn't afford it. Huh? Listen to me. It's the will of God for you to have the best of everything. There's some guy, there's some guy looking for you to bless you. There's somebody out there in the periphery of your life, in your life's audience, somebody trying to find you. Amen. <laughs> God's going to help them find you. He said he had caused men to give into your bosom. If you sow, he, he promised he'd cause men to, to give back into your bosom because it is not the will of God for you to live in lack. It is the will of God for you to enjoy the best in life. Can I have a good amen? amen. Now, the next thing is found in verse 3. He restores my soul. He, makes, he leads me in the paths of righteousness for His namesake. I want you to understand that natural prosperity and spiritual prosperity are not at odds. On the contrary, they are linked. Natural prosperity and spiritual prosperity are not at odds. You don't have to pick. You don't have to choose. They are linked. Religion teaches us that you've got to be poor to be, to be blessed by God. That's not what the Bible teaches at all. The Bible doesn't teach that. Natural and physical prosperity are linked. 3 John 2 says, Beloved, I wish above all that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Praise God. When your soul prospers, that is when you get your mind right, when you get your thoughts right about money, then God will prosper you in ways you can't even imagine. Amen. It's not, money is not evil. It's just a tool. It's just a tool given by God for people who know how to use it for His kingdom and for their families. By the way, you're in the kingdom. It's okay for you to have money. When you put money in the savings account and you serve in the Lord and you're connected with Him financially, then you put money in that savings account, you just put money in the kingdom because you are the kingdom. The kingdom isn't somebody other than you. The kingdom isn't angels flying around. The kingdom is you. You're the citizens of the kingdom of heaven. Praise God. Okay? So you can sow into the kingdom in all kinds of ways. Praise God. By being blessed. Natural and spiritual prosperity are not at odds. <clears throat> I've heard people say through the years, well, you know how rich people are. I said, no, tell me, apparently you do. If you knew how they were, you'd be like them. <laughs> tell me, genius, how are they? Well, all they ever think about is money. I said, that's just not true. When you're broke, that's all you ever think about. When you're broke, that's all you ever think about. I've been broke. And I've had plenty. And I know when I thought about money the most. When I didn't have enough. It consumed my thoughts. I've got to get some money. The other day, I'm blessed to say, we went to eat. Miss Ann said, how much was that? I said, I don't know. I just signed it. You didn't even look at it? No. Was I supposed to? It was what I wanted. 
I'm not spoiled. I just know what I want. <laughs> Here's your receipt. I guess it's on there somewhere. I'm not like that about everything. Don't go buy a car like that, but lunch I'm going to buy like that. <laughs> if it's a car, I need to know how much it was, but <laughs> praise God. I'm not like dialing yet, but I'm getting there, praise God. <laughs> the fourth thing is in verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. That says that God's answer to lack is to stay under authority. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, the ultimate lack, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The rod and the staff of the shepherd represent his authority. So God's answer to lack is to stay under authority. It says in 2 Chronicles 20, 20. Let, turn, turn to 2 Chronicles 20, 20 real quick like. 2 Chronicles 20, 20. And they rose early in the morning and went forth into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord, your God, so shall you be established. Believe his word, believe his prophets, so shall ye prosper. Amen. Staying under the authority of the word, staying under the authority of those in spiritual authority. It's a powerful thought. So shall you prosper. How many times throughout, throughout the the, the text, the, uh, the story of the Gospels, did the carpenter tell the fishermen how to fish? When they knew it wasn't going to work. Let down your nets. Lord, we've been out all night long. We're fishermen. You're not. I can't, I can't imagine telling my daddy how to fish. Because a man could fish. Fish knew him. My cousin Gary was fishing with him one day. He said, that's the most exasperating man to fish with I've ever seen. I said, why? He said, because he catches fish. He said, I fish, but he catches. There's a difference in going fishing and catching fish. My daddy's sitting on the end of the boat, pitch one out there. And just, he just, you know, he just had to touch. One of those fish just jump on his hook. He'd pull them in, you know, and take them off the hook. And Gary said, I was sitting out there, mine just dead. <laughs> We're on opposite ends of a little bitty boat. He said, after Uncle James had caught about five, he said, well, Gary, maybe, maybe we'll swap ends. And you can fish out here where I'm fishing, I'll fish out there. He said, okay. So he, he pulled up the, anch uh, the anchor on that end, and the, the, the boat swung around and dropped the anchor. He said, I pitched it out right out there where Uncle James had his. Went dead. Said he started pulling them in out of the hole where I was, just <laughs> pulling them one right after the other. Some people know how to fish. Listen, God knows how to get to you what you need. He knows more about your business than you think than he th you think he does. Matthew chapter seventeen. They came to Jesus. <clears throat> 
They actually came to Peter and they said, does your master pay taxes? They're really asking about the temple tax and which they use Caesar's money for that. Your master pay taxes? Peter came and said, well, I was just talking to some people. Jesus said, who collects, who pays taxes? Who do the children of the king pay taxes to? Children of the kingdom. Yeah, uh, beats me, Lord. Like he wasn't hitting in, just in that conversation, you know. I, I don't know. The, the, the slaves, the servants? Yeah, yeah, that's right. He said, but we don't want to offend them. So what I want you to do, Peter, is go take one hook, go drop it in the water, and the first fish it bites, pull him up, he'll, there'll be a gold coin in his mouth. You go pay my taxes and yours. Can you imagine the fisherman? There's that carpenter telling him how to fish again. Okay, I'll go do it. So he, he went and did it. And sure enough, pulled the first fish up and there was a gold coin in his mouth. Now, Jesus is not a counterfeiter, but that gold coin was in public waters. Just like if you drop, you drop money in the bottom of Lake Texoma and somebody else finds it, that's their money. It's just the way it works. Just an international law has been that way forever. You, whoever finds, finders, keepers. That fish had picked up a coin that somebody had lost, and now it belonged to Jesus. This is good. Did you all notice he didn't take any money out of the offerings that he had received? He didn't take any money out of his own. Jesus did not pay taxes with his own money. He paid ta taxes with found money. I wondered about that. Why would Jesus not pay taxes with his own money, but pay taxes with found money? He paid the taxes, but it did it in miracle fashion. Why? Because Jesus knew the promises of God. He knew what rightly belonged to him. Did they call him the son of Solomon? Did they call him the son of Abraham? No. What did they call him? The son of David. There was a day in 1 Samuel 17, 1 Samuel 17, when David stood on the battlefield and killed Goliath and earned the right for his family to be free from taxation forever. And Jesus just stood there with his rights, knowing he had the right not to be taxed. Hallelujah, because he's a son of David. Glory to God. And stood on his right, his covenant right. Glory be to God. I'm not going to spend my money for taxes because I don't really have to. I'll give Rome some of their money back. What a wonderful thought. See, this is how your life gets better when you believe that God is on your side. When you believe that God wants you to prosper. When you believe that God wants you in health. When you believe that physical pro prosperity is no different from spiritual prosperity if it all comes from the Lord. One of the greatest things that stifles us is trusting in money rather than trusting in the Lord. I think I told you this, but for our 30th anniversary, Miss Ann and I spent our 30th anniversary in, in, as we have many of our anniversaries, in Kerrville, Texas. Bert Wimberly pastors one of the churches we give oversight to there, and he has a Word First conference in the first and second week of, of January every year. And we normally speak at that conference, but it also happens to be the same week of our anniversary, January the 7th. 
So we love the hill country, and Miss Ann especially loves Kerrville. It's got that German feel that my German girl likes. And, and we, well, we go down there and, you know, spend a little time. And she, she gave me, I've been wanting this ring, an onyx and diamond ring. I think I've told you this story, but let me say it, say it again. I'm over 50. I get to tell them more than once. <laughs> I've been wanting this black onyx and, onyx and diamond ring, and she gave it to me. And I love that ring. It was so cool. My 30th anniversary, every time I thought about it, I thought about my wife's love for me. And a few weeks later, I was in a church service on a Sunday night back in McKinney, Texas, and she wasn't there. And she always keeps the checkbook. If I don't have cash on me, I don't have money at all. Well, I got a card now, but... Then... This preacher was in our church. He was an evangelist. And the Lord spoke to me and told, him to get, told me to give him a significant offering. And I knew he wasn't talking about writing a check from the church. I knew he was talking about me giving him money. I said, but, but Lord, you know, my wife's not here. I can't write a check. I, I've got 30 bucks in my pocket. That's not a significant offering. What do you want me to do? He said, that ring's worth over $500. Yeah, that's all I got. Is that what you want me to give him? Say No. He wouldn't say anything. He just told me what the ring was worth. It was well, well over $500. I pulled it off, walked over to the guy, said, the Lord told me to give you this. He said, what is it? I said, it's ring my wife just gave me for our 30th anniversary. He said, I'm not giving it. I know, I can't take it. I can't take this ring. I said, if you give it back to me, I'm taking it in there and throwing it in the trash. I said, that's your ring. I, I, I wish I could tell you I gave it with joy. <laughs> But that was painful. It was painful. But Miss Ann and I, years ago, made up our mind. There was going to be room in our life for but one God. Room in our life for but one God. And nothing he gives us will we lay hold on. We hold everything very lightly. I'm not going to give it because you come up and say, hey, Holler, I love those boots. I, 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 I'm not, you're not getting my boots. <laughs> Always somebody comes up and says, hey, I like that ring. I like that tie. I like that, you know. I'm saying, I'm saying, don't let everybody push you around like that. But when the Lord speaks to you, when the Lord speaks to you, hold everything you have lightly. I gave the ring. I have had two rings since I gave that one away given to me. And one of them has a huge diamond in the middle of it right now. It's a beautiful ring. I often, I have it in my house. I wear it pretty often. You may have seen it. Came back to me out of sowing the seed. Most of the time when I tell that story, people gasp, you know, if they've never heard it. Because they go, oh! I said, settle down. I didn't, I didn't give my wife away. I just gave the ring away. <laughs> it's easy to stifle, stifle your, your blessing by stifling your seed sowing, by being too religious about what you have. Trusting in stuff. Don't trust in the stuff. Because the stuff won't trust you back. Don't love your money, because it won't love you back. Amen. So God's, God's answer is to stay under authority. I have, a, I have an acquaintance. I won't tell you his name. But he... Had the greatest gifting any guy I ever saw. Powerfully gifted guy. 
Oh, powerfully gifted guy. In fact, I traveled with him some when he would preach, and I played the guitar and sang, and he, he would, we were young, you know, and he, he was an evangelist. We traveled to all the, all the 40-some TYC units, that is Texas Youth Commission units, uh, little kiddie prisons in Texas. I've been in just about every one of them. And there was one in Austin we went to, which was a girl's home, Austin home for girls. And I'm talking about bad girls. Went in there, and they must have had 50 or 75 girls in there. When we went in, they had Van Halen playing, peeling the paper off the walls, loud, you know, oppressive music. And we walked in there, and I thought, oh, Jesus, we got a lot of contending here. And these girls had hardened faces. They packed on the makeup, you know, they were still hiding. And just hardened faces and rough-looking kids. Who knows what kind of things, what kind of horrible things have been done to them. But we were there to try to help. Walked in there, and we played our music, and they just looked at us. So we play another one. They just looked at us. And then the, the speaker, the anointing on him so strong, the speaker walks up there, said, thank you, band, appreciate it. Although we hadn't breaking, broken the ice at all. We had not broke through at all. He pulls up a chair and sits down and just starts talking to them, to them about the love of God. And the biggest toughest looking girl in there the one that the others looked to you know there's always a mama cow in the herd and she 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 was she was the bell cow she ducked her head and a little bit she had her hand up and a little bit we saw her mascara on the front of her t-shirt and she starts sobbing and the girl next to her started crying. The girl next to her started crying. And pretty soon, the entire room was pouring out their hearts, weeping, just as he's just talking, talking about the love of God. And there was this mournful cry of repentance that was in that room. It was so holy, you just I can hardly even express it. I thought, what am I seeing here? And he gave an invitation for salvation. He said, now, if you'd like this salvation, it can come to you free and clear because of what Jesus has already done for you. He'll take you just like you are. It won't cost you anything, just your heart's faith. Every person in the room raised their hand and prayed with him. Every person in the room, even the workers, all of them got saved that day. Everybody in the building got saved. I've never seen anything like it. It was an all-out, free-for-all of salvation. The anointing on this guy. A few years later, I found out that he and his entire family were living in a Motel 6. I went over and got him. I said, what are you doing here, brother? He said, oh, things just went bad, John. What? And he told me this terrible story. And you know what he told me his problem was? He said, I should have done like you. I hadn't, I hadn't seen him like for 20, 25 years. He said, I should have done what you did. 
All your kids are serving God. Y'all are, are blessed and prosperous. He said, I should have done what you did and got in church and stayed there. Every time he'd go to a church and he'd hear a preacher say something he didn't like, he'd go to another church. And he went to another church and another church. He, he hopped around churches. When he was in town, when he was able, hopped around, jerked his family around until his family didn't trust men of God at all. Pretty soon he wasn't even going to church. Pretty soon he was totally backslidden, and pretty soon he was at the Motel 6 with his whole family. Several of them, grown, grown adults, couldn't, couldn't make their way in the world. And you know what he told me the problem was? He said, because I never put myself under authority like you did. I don't care how anointed you think you are. There's nobody had a greater anointing than this guy. I saw it with my own eyes. But he refused to stay in, uh, under authority. Now, I know, maybe you didn't start here at this church. Maybe you've been, been other places. But stay put. Yeah. Let me have you for a few years. Yeah. I promise you, all that past is going to go away. And God's going to do big and wonderful things for you. Right. He brought you here because He loves you. That's right. Amen. Praise God. I'm almost, I'm almost through with this. Verse 5. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runs over. God delights in blessing you with abundance right in front of your enemies. God loves to bless you. And give the devil a black eye while he's doing it. When he reaches for the black-eyed peas to pass your way, he elbows the devil right in the nose. Amen. Amen. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You know what? He didn't say he's going to always remove your enemies. He said he's going to make them so mad by blessing you in front of them. Who cares what, what evil there is out there? As long as you've got God on your side, it does not matter who's against you. It does not matter who's against you. So you be bold. Verse 6, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. Is this maybe goodness and mercy or surely goodness and mercy? So be bold in your declarations and commitments. Be bold. He says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Be bold in your declarations and your commitments. Talk about what, what's going to happen to you. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. I'm not going to live another day without mercy. I'm not going to live another day without goodness. I'm going to live the rest of my days with goodness and mercy following me everywhere I go, praise God. Make your declarations boldly. Oh, you'll get challenged, but you still say it boldly. This is what separated David from the rest of the, rest of the kings. He knew he's God, and he knew he could speak like God. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Most of us live under the Damocletian sword. Well, things are going so good. I had people tell me years ago, they asked me, how are your kids doing, Brother John? I said, oh, they're perfect. They're fine. Well, how old are they? Well, they're 13, 16, 17. Oh, well, you just wait. You just wait. You're, you'll see. I said, no, you're going to see. Yeah. I believe the Bible. I just believe the Bible. Thank God I learned it early. Thank God I got it early. Oh, it'll, you, you, you'll see. You hadn't lived long enough. Well, I'm nearly 60. How long you got to live to see it? <laughs> I just refuse not to live under that sword of Damocles. 
I'm living under the blessings of the Lord. And every day we say, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Glory to God. I'm not saying we haven't had challenges. I'm just saying you've got to be strong in your declarations. Be strong in your declarations. Don't base your life on what you have had. Base your life on what God says you can have. Amen. Be strong in your declarations. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days. of my life. I had a man walk into my office when I was pastoring in West Texas. He looked at me and he said, John Holler, what are you doing here? I said, I'm pastoring this church. He said, yeah, I know, but what are you doing here? I said, well, this is where I belong. This is where the Lord sent me. He said, oh, 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 that's two different things. There's no question the Lord sent you. But this is not where you belong. I said, that ain't, that ain't right, brother. He said, I can prove it to you. I said, how are you going to do that? He said, well, let's pretend I'm God and you're you. All right, John, I'm going to give you the ministry you want exactly what you want and where you want it. What do you want and where would it be? And I bowed my head and I said, all right, you made your point. I understand. Well, what would it be and where would it be? I said, man, don't be doing that to me. I can't be talking about being someplace else and doing something else. This is, I, I gotta stay here. My, I gotta keep my heart and my mind here. If I go to talking about it, it'll happen. He said, yeah, and if you don't, it never will. He said, where would it be and where would it be? I said, well, if I had my way, I'd, I would pastor a church within driving distance of Dallas. And I would teach at Christ for the Nations. Did, did y'all hear what I said? Yeah. <laughs> Next year that didn't happen. Next year that didn't happen. I even went to Austin and planted a church. But 10 years after I said that, it happened. Been happening ever since. Been happening ever since. Be bold in your declarations. Because if you say it, not if you build it, they'll come. If you say it, you'll have it. Because you say it enough, your heart will believe it. And things will start changing for you. I know some of you here have children you'd like to see come in. Anybody here have children you'd like to see come in? Come into the faith? Yeah, most of them. Others of you have relationships you'd like to see restored. We're going to stand up on our feet right now. And we're going to make some declarations we're going to first repeat this 23rd Psalm based on what I just told you, these truths I just gave you. We're going to repeat it. Can you put it up on the board for me, please, Israel? What would we do without Israel? I'm telling you. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Let me say again what that says. That it is not the will of God 
for you to live in lack. Secondly, He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. It is the will of God for you to enjoy the best in life. What's the third verse say? He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Natural prosperity and spiritual prosperity are not at odds. On the contrary, they are linked, praise God. And the fourth verse says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. That means God's answer to lack is to stay under authority. And verse 5 says, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. That means that God delights in blessing you with abundance right in front of your enemies. Praise God. And verse 6 says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That means you're supposed to be bold in your declarations and in your commitments. Father, we thank you today. Thank you for all the kind things that you have prepared for your sheep here as our shepherd. You are our God. You are our Father. But this teaches us also that more than enough is on its way for those who will receive you as the great shepherd today, the one who provides for all our needs. I speak abundance to these, your people, these who've sown and are yet to reap. I believe for the reaping to come, praise God, for the harvest to come. These who have poured out their lives, I pray that you'll restore everything that they've lost, that the canker worm and the, and, and, and the weevil have, have stolen, that it be returned to them in the name of Jesus. Those who have suffered lack in all kinds of ways, today we pronounce good things and blessings. And, and the prophet of God said just earlier in this service today, Brother Frank brought this word, saying the chains, the chains have been broken. The chains have been broken. But don't take, don't pick up new links. Don't go looking for new links to put it back together. You've been made free. Be free. Live free. Praise God. Make your declarations of freedom clearly. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your people today. Thank you for your people today. Bless them. Bless them in all that they do. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Father.